Hello, and thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. You can listen and subscribe to the show for free on Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Blog Talk Radio, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. For network or show information, visit BiteRadio.me. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Today, my special guest joining us from Australia is Tracy Seacombe, and we will be talking about her work as well as her book, From People Pleaser to Soul Pleaser, Six Steps to Being Who You Are Meant to Be. When you truly know to your core that you are here to be your highest version of you, and that you are the one who gets to define what that is, the pressure is off. Life is completely up to you. It's your game. You get to choose. You are free. Tracy Seacom has helped thousands of people pleasers to become soul pleasers after experiencing chronic burnout from chasing recognition her entire life. By following her six simply explained steps, you will remember your true essence of joy and who you want to be so that you can relish in wonderful relationships, health, abundance, and fulfillment. Tracy has helped thousands of people pleasers to become soul pleasers after experiencing chronic burnout from chasing recognition her entire life. For more information, you can visit her website, which is www.tracysecom.com.au, and that's T-R-A-C-Y-S-E-C-O-M-B-E.com.au. And with that, I'd like to welcome Tracy to the show. Good day, Tracy. Hi, Robert. How are you going? I'm doing very well, thank you. And and um, I'm really looking forward to enlightening our listeners about uh, people pleasing and soul pleasing, so and the distinctions. So, um, since my show is bringing inspiration to Earth, I usually like to start with the guest, kind of um, maybe telling us, like for you, what inspired you to write your book, from people pleaser to soul pleaser. Well, um, what I wrote first was the program. So that happened back in 2016, and what inspired me was actually um, a tragedy, I guess. (laughs) I don't see it as a tragedy now, but I did at the time, which was my mum passing away. So my mum passed away of breast cancer in 2016, and I was absolutely devastated. And what I realised when I was so heartbroken Um, was A, what a people pleaser my mum had been and how that had actually contributed to her um, emotional well-being and also to her eventually physical well-being and that I was headed on the same track. So I realised, you know, through her illness and through her passing away and through my grief that people-pleasing was really at the bottom of her exhausting herself, both mentally, emotionally and physically, and me heading down the same pathway. So that really inspired me to not only do something for myself, but to 
see whether there were other people in the world that might need help with this as well. Yeah, you know, those those kind of um, moments are, are really can, can really change the trajectory, you know, of one's life. And, and um, you know, even though it's sad, um, it um, can be used as a way to you know to shift to better, to being better. Um, yeah, absolutely. Here. And I think sometimes you need something to really shake you awake. I think you can be so stuck in your patterns that you don't see it until something significant happens to get your attention. Oh, that is very true. Um, you know, they, they, I've heard it said that uh, if, you know, you don't get the message from spirit, you know, when they try to give it to you lightly, it's going to end up with a two-by-four <laughs> or, or some, right. other, <laughs> some other way. Um now, one thing um, I noticed, in the, in the beginning of your book, you, you talked about um, at a young age, you recognized that your drug of choice was praise. And, you know, um, I, I'd like for you to t talk a little bit about that and just the, the idea that um, so much of our people-pleasing ways um, begin in youth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, when I think back to my childhood, um, I had a great childhood. You know, I had parents who loved me and I think they adored me really and so they praised me and that's a positive thing. I mean, as parents today, we praise our children and we know that it's good for them uh, for us to praise them and, and increase their confidence. But it's interesting because I think that people can receive praise in different ways. And for me, it became the thing that I needed all the time. So rather than me being able to have my own self-confidence in myself, I needed it to come from outside of myself. And I think that that's the problem. I think if we need recognition to come from outside of ourselves, then we don't learn how to tap into spirit where we can get it constantly because... We don't need to get it right for spirit to approve of us and spirit to love us or soul. And so when I was a child, I just became addicted to this positive feedback. So if I didn't get it, I felt like I was doing something wrong. Um, and God forbid if I actually got some criticism or some feedback that wasn't positive, then I would rehash that for days. So that started at a really young age and... You know, the whole trajectory of my life from then until when I changed to a soul pleaser was all about looking for that recognition from other people. Yeah. So for parents who are, um, you know, looking at, you know, how they, you know, um, praise their children, um, what, what would you say are kind of um, – uh, things for them to be on the lookout, you know, where, like where you had said that it, you know, became, you know, an absolute need for you. You know, what would are some, you know, maybe some warning signs that um, parents can be on the lookout for in that in their child? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, so I have three children, and I have one child out of the three that. I can see really thrives on that recognition. And I think that it's being able to help them to understand that 
the only recognition that they really need is from within themselves. So to really encourage their own self-confidence, continue to give them the praise, but equally really help them and encourage them to be able to receive feedback that they might interpret as criticism. And I think it's important for you to notice the feelings or the emotions that you have when you give so-called negative feedback because I think that's what a child hears more than what you actually say is that everybody, particularly children, can feel other people's emotions. So when your child does something right, absolutely, and, and there's no such thing as right or wrong, but when you want to mm -hmm. encourage a behaviour, absolutely give the praise. But when you want to discourage a behaviour, just get yourself into a good feeling place before you have the conversation. Because I think the first time that a child will become fearful of negative feedback is the first time that their parents get angry with them. And of course, we cannot, we can't um, push down anger, like you can't fake it, we're going to feel anger. But once you become an aware parent, if you can just stop and say, I'm going to come back to you about this because I'm not feeling great right now. And when I feel better, we'll have a discussion about this. I think it's much more about the emotion that the parent is feeling that a child takes on board rather than the words that you say. Okay, good. That, that's a good um, way, you know, to um, help parents become aware, you know, of, of their of their actions. Now. When a child goes to school, and, and I know this in your book too, they talk about when you went to school, kind of things were changed, changed a little bit. I mean, there's there's a whole different dynamic when you're talking about uh, teachers and you know and uh, classmates, kind of thing. So, um, in during that kind of period, is, is is it pretty much the same when you know when they experience now, criticism or something negative, you know, in, in those environments to pretty much do the, approach it the same way? Well, as a parent, you're not going to be able to control the mood that the teacher's in or what the children that they are at school with are going through at home. So I think that there is a great opportunity to prepare our children for this because, you know, when we send our kids off to school, we we often might think about preparing them for the scholastic side of school, you know, what they're going to learn. But I would be far more interested in hindsight now, my children are older, but when I get to this point with grandchildren, I think my focus <laughs> will be preparing them for the social side of school. To let them know that every child that they meet is coming from a completely different situation at home. And some of them will have a lovely, nourishing, loving home life. And some of them will have a challenging home life. And so if, if our children can understand that the way somebody treats you is not about you, it's about them. So the mood that they're in, how they're feeling is about, you know, perhaps what's happened at home or what they're observing between their parents. You know, a bully, for example, at school is quite often bullied at home or they're witnessing bullying and then they're acting it out. And this really helps with your children's resilience because instead of taking it personally and having a low self-esteem because they feel like they're disliked by their peers, they can understand that this behaviour that they're witnessing, that they feel 
is caused by them is actually related to the person. And this will really help them to not have such a severe emotional reaction to somebody who perhaps is negative towards them in a school setting. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's wonderful preparation, you know, for, for a child. Um, so now when it comes time to um, the idea of people pleasers, uh, so can you, I mean, a lot of folks are happy to please others, you know, to, to you know, it, it feels good to be able to, to help others feel good. Um, yeah. At what at what point does does it become problematic? Yeah, it's only a problem if you're unhappy. So if you are pleasing people for the joy of pleasing them, that is soul pleasing. So when you're soul pleasing, you are aligned with your soul and your soul is love. And so if you are doing something for somebody else because you love to do it, that to me is not people-pleasing. People-pleasing is pleasing other people so that they will like you, so that they'll approve of you, um, so that they can be happy and you feel like you're in, in control of them being happy. I think the most important thing for us to realise is that we can't make other people happy. Um, and we can try, but ultimately if you're continually continuing to try and make other people happy, number one, you're going to exhaust yourself if that doesn't work because they're not happy for reasons that you can't fix. But secondly, we're taking away from them the opportunity to be able to tap into spirit themselves, which is the only true source of joy. So if, we're, if we are making people become addicted to us for their joy, then we're setting them up to need us. And interestingly, I found this with myself and a lot of other people places I've worked with, we have this need to be needed that actually makes us feel good about ourselves is that somebody else needs us. And as a coach, it's really important for me to not create dependence in people. I want to help people to find their own source of joy within them and not need me as a coach for them to feel joyful. And it's the same as being a parent or a friend or a, or a wife or a husband or a partner. You know, we want to be able to find that joy within us and we want to encourage the people around us to find that joy within them as well. So there is absolutely nothing wrong with pleasing people. I love seeing people be joyful, but I no longer do things that I don't want to do because I think it will please somebody else. I do it because I want to do it, um, not because I think I should or I have to or it's the only way that I'm going to get approval from somebody. Yeah, okay, that, that makes that makes good sense. Um, and I, I want to, since you kind of already started talking about awareness, I want to kind of just do a little highlight of the, the six steps um, that I mentioned that, that's also in the, the subtitle of your book, um, Six Steps to Being Who You Are Meant to Be. Uh, step one is becoming aware. So um, is, is there um, any kind of, uh, I guess, exercise or, or, or how can someone um, look at their 
people-pleasing behavior and, um, you know, kind of get more of an awareness, uh, you know, of whether it's, you know, for, you know, just for the soul, you know, pleasing aspect for the individual, or if it's something other than that to, to try and, you know, get something from the other individual. Yeah. Um, I go through quite a few symptoms in the book which helps because then people can recognise um, whether they have some of those symptoms. One of them is rehashing. So, for example, you might have a conversation with somebody and then later you'll reflect back on it and you'll think things like, did I upset them? Did they misunderstand what I said? Um, did they think I was crazy, um, you know, and you worry, you worry about whether you've hurt somebody's feelings or, you know, whether you've upset someone or whether you've made them happy. Um, another one is that you're indecisive, so you're trying to make a decision and rather than just checking into your heart and seeing which scenario feels the best for you, you're checking in with what would my parents think or what would my partner think or you know, what would anybody think? And we often don't realise we're doing this until you have this awareness of how, why do I get indecisive? Why is it difficult for me to make a decision? Um, and is it because I'm trying to keep everyone happy with a choice that I make? Um, a classic example is when people are making university or college choices after high school, quite often we can be influenced by our peers, our parents, our teachers, and we don't do what we would really love to do. I end up working with lots of people in their 30s, 40s and 50s that went down a career path that really was somebody else's desire, not theirs. And they, they wanted to get approval from those people rather than following their heart. Um, and since I've made the change myself, I really encourage my children to just do what they love. You know, don't worry about what anyone else thinks. It might be a little bit off the beaten path, but if you love it, you know, go for it. Um, so I think that there's different ways of you checking in with these types of behaviours that you have. Another one is avoiding conflict. A lot of people don't speak up and say what they really mean or they lie um, to keep the peace to fit in, to go along with other people, um, just because it's easier. And we really lose a piece of ourselves when we can't be honest. And, so, and sometimes there's no need to be. You know, you don't need to speak your truth just for the sake of it. But you just want to check in and say, how do I feel in those situations? And that really is, in answer to your question, in a more simple way, the litmus test is, if I feel good, then I'm soul-pleasing. But if I don't feel good potentially I am people-pleasing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, in, in, in that um, indecisive um, kind of in, in that realm, um, I often catch myself when I um, use the words I should do or I should something, or, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's like, you know, why is it that I should? <laughs> you know, what is it yeah. that's telling me that I should? That's right, exactly, and it's just come back Come back to, I found that when I started to do this work on myself, I didn't even know what I wanted. I was so used to making sure I helped everybody else get what they wanted, I was like, I don't know what I want. <laughs> I want people to like me, you know, I want to be, you know, recognised, 
And I was like, okay, but what do I actually want? And so it's, if, you, if you're not sure what you want, then that means that you haven't made yourself a priority because you think that's selfish. And we can do both. We can actually help other people get what they want and get what we want. We don't have to sacrifice what we want for other people. Yeah, exactly. Now, um, excuse me, step two in, in the six steps was is surrender. Um, excuse me. So um, can you talk a little bit about um, the importance of surrender? Because you have, you have in, in that particular category, you have, you know, quite a few um, areas of discussion like, you know, letting go, um, releasing attachment. So can you talk a little bit about the idea of surrender? Because for some people, the idea of surrender is scary. I mean, it can mm -hmm. sometimes be vulnerable. Yes, it is. It is. And that's why this is the biggest chapter <laughs> and it is the biggest step in the process. And the way these processes came about and these steps came about was through me reflecting on how I have made the change from people pleaser to soul pleaser. And I realized that what happened when mum died is I was brought to my knees, literally. Like my kids would actually find me in the laundry um, on the floor sobbing. And before that, I was really in control. And I think that quite often, this is how we can be. Like to the outside world, it looks like we've got everything under control. I was running three businesses at the time, um, looking after an investment um, property portfolio, three children, a husband, you know, traveling for work. Like I look back now and I don't know how I did it. I honestly don't know how I did it. but. I wore that badge like a pride of honour, you know, like when people would say, I don't know how you do it. <laughs> I was like, you know, that was like a pat on the back, you know. And so I was controlling, thought I was controlling so many different things. And when I was in grief, I fell to my knees and I looked to the sky and I said, God help me, I, I don't know how to do this. I, I give up. I don't know how to do this. And what I realized was that was the turning point for me, is to ask for help. And I just wanted to prove to myself, I think, or maybe to other people, that I could do it on my own. And I was very proud of that. You know, I'm a strong, independent woman. I don't need any help. I can do this. And, you know, I could, but, God, I was doing it the hard way. You know, and there is a much easier way. And so when we surrender and say, I trust you, spirit, God, universe, whatever word works for you, I trust that you know the shortcuts, you know the easy way, you know a better way, and I'm going to accept you into my life and accept your help. Um, and that was the real turning point for me. And what I discovered is that if I stopped pushing against things and making things wrong, particularly myself. I was more critical of myself than I was of other people. But having said that, when we're critical of ourselves, quite often we will be critical of other people because if we have high standards for ourselves, we'll have high standards for other people. So I started to just let go of all of that and just allow myself to accept what is because when you accept what currently is, you get into the vibration or the, the feeling or the emotion of 
what's coming and what it is that you want. But often people are blocking what they want and the change they want to see in their life because they're just riling against the thing that they want to change. You know, they're just focused so much on the problem that they don't have the space to allow in, you know, what could come next for them, you know, the change or the solution to the problem. And so that first surrender is I give up, which doesn't mean you give up on what you want. It means that you give up on doing it on your own and thinking that you know how to get there. Um, and, that, and that really opens you up to receiving inspiration of how you can create the life that you want. Yeah, yeah. And, and that kind of just flows right into to your next step, which is which follow your signs. Um, did, did, what, what were some of your signs? What, what, what kind of, you know, when after that moment that you had um, of surrender, um, did, what were, did you have any particular signs that, that you took notice of that um, surrender yeah. opened up? Yeah, absolutely. It's incredible how quickly it happens for me, actually. And through all the people I've worked with over the years, it, is, it can be very instant. Even if you don't recognize it immediately, you'll be able to reflect and, and go, you know what, when I actually emotionally let go and I stopped resisting the things that I was, was judging, this happened, which led to this, which happened to this and led to this. And so for me, my mum died in January 2016. And in February, I was invited to an event in another state in Australia. And um, part of me didn't want to go. Um, but when I just sort of let go and I'd done the surrendering, I just fell into a peaceful state and I just said, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to get on the plane and I'll go. I won't be my full self, you know, because it was work-related and, I, you know, people will understand I'm grieving and, you know, it was a part of letting go of being perfect, really, to just go and, and run this training without being on my absolute A game because it was so soon after mum passed away. Anyway, I was on the plane and I sat next to a man called Andrew who I'd never met before. But I sat next to him and we just connected and we just had this incredible conversation. And he ended up becoming a business coach for me and he is the person that helped me start the Soul Pleaser program. And fast forward to where we are now, him and I run a business together called Farm Owners Academy where we help people with their businesses but also, you know, with the soul-pleasing things, um, you know, who are farmers. But that meeting was a sign. That was the start of my new life as a result of me surrendering. So it was quite significant. But other smaller examples with people that I've worked with, for example, um, this is a really easier one for people to relate to because it's it's not so big as mine was. Um, she came to me and said, I'm so mad at my partner because we've got two children, we're planning to have a third, we run a business together, and I just wish he would ask me to marry him. <laughs> I just, I wanted to marry him. And she was just so secretly mad at him about it. And I explained to her, while you're mad at him about it, it won't happen. You've got to completely surrender it and just completely accept that it's okay if you're not married. Be happy with where you're at. Completely accept your current situation. 
She's like, I don't know if I can do that. And I said, well, just see how you go. Anyway, she came back to me a few months later and said, I completely let it go. I honestly did. I decided, you know what, it doesn't even matter. We don't have to be married. I'm so in love with him. We're so happy with our little family. I really gave it up and I didn't care. And she said, I couldn't believe it. It was within weeks, like it was less than a couple of weeks later, that he proposed to me. And I just couldn't believe it after all these years. And it just happened so quickly because that energy, that resistance that was blocking it, he had no idea about the conversation, the process she'd been through. He suddenly felt the urge to ask her because she wasn't energetically pushing against it anymore. Hmm. Very interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah it is. It's really amazing. Yeah, so the signs will come in lots of different ways. And I think people... Um, feel like it's going to be a voice. <laughs> so when they're looking for the signs, they're, they're right. meditating and they're waiting for this booming voice to give them some answers. But it will be really little things like, um, you know, go to this cafe or, you know, like for me, it was go ahead and go to that event or um, call so-and-so or you just end up in the right place at the right time or, you know, you pick up a book and you just read something that, how you're like, oh, that was for me. That author is speaking to me. So it can come in lots of different ways. But once you have done the surrender part and you tune in and you learn through that step how to tune in, you'll know. And people often ask me, how do I know if it's my soul talking to me or if it's just my conditioned personality? And you'll know by the way that it feels. So when I had the idea to start the From People Please the Soul Pleaser program, even though I was a bit nervous about it because I'd been a physiotherapist before that, so it seemed like a bit of a wild jump to go from the medical field into, you know, the spiritual field, wild horses couldn't have stopped me. So when it is your soul talking to you, you might have a little bit of nervousness about it, but you can't be stopped. You'll know. It's a real knowing. It's like falling in love. Yeah. You can't stop it. It just happens. <laughs> that's, that's good to know. That's good to know. Yeah, because um, for some of us, I, I'll put myself in uh, a group that can, it can sometimes be difficult to uh, discern, you know, you know, what is, kind of coming from the spirit or soul, you know, versus, uh, you know, the monkey mind, the logical, you know, just brain, you know, thoughts, you know, that, that. so, um, and for me, it ended up being, you know, that I would get um, kind of, uh, you know, like a, <laughs> the crown chakra kind of just tingling or, you know, there would be, or, or that the thought would be, so off the wall that I knew that, you know, there was no, you know, logical, you know, A to B to C, you know, I mean, this was like from A to, you know, Z, you know, yeah. with, with absolutely nothing in between, you know, and that was at that, that time then I started to, you know, kind of become more aware of when that happened, and, and I think, you know, as a result... You know, it, it gets a little bit easier once you can, you know, define for yourself, you know, what, you know, what your how your spirit is going to communicate with you. You know. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, when I 
when I had, when that, those words came out of my mouth, I was actually having a conversation with someone and she said, you know, what, what's happened to you? <laughs> and I said, and this is the first time I've ever thought this. It came out of my mouth actually. I said, oh, I feel like I've gone from being a people pleaser to a soul pleaser. And she actually laughed. But I felt this powerful, where did that come from? So yeah, I knew it wasn't me. Yeah. It wasn't my mind on my own that came up with that idea. Absolutely. Well, we're already halfway through the show, Tracy, so I want to take a, just a quick break. Um, and then when we come back, well, we'll finish with uh, the six steps, and then we'll talk a little bit more about your work with individuals, okay? Great. Great. Okay, everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back after this very brief break. Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us, and I hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, byteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows, along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,600 shows that we have had during the past 12 years. Also on the site is a link to the products and services we provide, books, nature photography, calendars, and 5 by 7 photo greeting cards. Our show is a free podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iHeart Radio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and TuneIn. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, etc. And we also have buttons to those platforms on the top of our homepage. Our website, byteradio.me, has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests, and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. Okay, everyone, thank you for staying with us again today. My special guest, joining us from Australia, is Tracy Seacombe. And we are talking about her work as well as her book and programs. Um, the book is From People Pleaser to Soul Pleaser, Six Steps to Being Who You Are Meant to Be. Um, again, you can find out more about Tracy, her books, and, and all that she has to offer by visiting her website, which is www.tracyseacomb.com.au. And it's T-R-A-C-Y-S-E-C-O-M-B-E dot com dot A-U. Okay, with that, we're back. Tracy? Hi, Robert. Now, you're in Adelaide, correct? Yes. Yes. Well, my maternal, no, my paternal grandmother's name was Adelaide. So every time I see Adelaide come up, I mean, it just warms my heart. <laughs> so when I saw that you were from Adelaide, I thought, well, i got to talk to Tracy for sure. Yeah, that's lovely. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, let's, let's continue. You know, we were talking about the, the six steps, um, and we went through becoming aware, surrender, and follow your signs. Now, step four is discover you. Um, and you mentioned, you know, that, at one point, you just even weren't sure, you know, kind of like what you wanted. And, and I think I think that more people are like that than I think, you know, they would um, admit to. So can you talk about, I mean, just the idea that, you know, 
a lot of times we just don't know who we really are. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's on two levels. We don't know who we really are as a human, and we also don't know who we really are in terms of who we really are, as in the fact that, you know, God resides within us. You know, we are a soul inside this body having a physical experience. And, you know, in terms of the first aspect of not knowing who we are as a physical being, I think that we can lose ourselves as we you know, become a chameleon in different situations and we act a certain way with this group of people and then, with, you know, we're like this with our parents, like this with our siblings, then we're like this with a group of friends and then we act a different way for this group. And, you know, to fit in, particularly when we start school, I think that we do experiment with who we are. And then we go to different roles. For example, we become a parent and we might give up a lot of what we used to do for ourselves to be able to look after our children, which we want to do. But, you know, once our children get older, at the end of that period, we're like, oh, now what? Because I've spent all my life now doing this, you know, who am I and what am I interested in? So I think there's both of those aspects. But the one that's really important to me, because what I believe about people-pleasing is that the underlying cause of looking for validation outside of ourselves is that we don't validate ourselves, which means that we don't love ourselves. And when I say love, I mean unconditionally accept ourselves. So I had a lot of conditions on my self-acceptance. And that's how I ended up with anorexia when I was young, was because I wanted to be the smartest, I wanted to be the prettiest, I wanted to be liked, I wanted to, you know, be thin. And so I had all of these demands on myself. And if I got something wrong in a test, I would beat myself up. You know, if I ate what I deemed the wrong food, I would beat myself up. So it was exhausting, you know, to keep myself happy with myself. And when we know that spirit or soul loves us unconditionally and that we are actually, that is part of us. I, I think that, I love this saying, it's not that you don't love yourself, it's that you're not being yourself. So when you start to come back into alignment with your soul and show up more regularly as your soul, then it's easy to love yourself. Whereas when you're being the conditioned part of yourself, which is critical, critical of yourself, critical of other people, you know, when we're mean to someone, we don't like who we are. That's not who we really are, and that's why we don't like it. We might not understand that, but when you are critical of yourself, it's often because you are not treating yourself or someone else the way that your soul treats you. Um, and so that's why I had read books about self-esteem ever since I was a teenager. That was a good thing that came out of being anorexic because I picked up Louise Hay, You Can Heal Your Life, at 18, which was great. So I started on this journey at a young age, um, so I'm very grateful for that. But no matter what I read, until I rediscovered who I really am, that was the thing that allowed me to truly love myself, truly accept who I am, um, and then in the following step, be who I am. So I think that... Knowing who you are has to come before you can be who you really are. And that's why this is my favourite step in all the steps, but you can't jump to step four until you do the first three steps. So that's why it's in that order. Right. 
then once you discover who you are, like you said, be you, that's step five. You know, be, yeah. be you. Um, yeah. Now, and, and there's, you know, you can go into many uh, many things under the step five, but, but I want to kind of jump to, to step six, um, experience bliss. How, how would you describe bliss? Just when you say the word, I just felt it, like, go through my whole body. So I just am so grateful to know what I know and to be able to share it with other people because it's like a before and after in your life before you understand this. So what I believe is that we are energetic beings. I believe that everything is energy and that the truth of who we are, God or spirit or all that is, the universe, is consistently on a high vibration or a positive, a very positive emotion, feeling joy and bliss and love and gratitude. And when you practice feeling those emotions, you get better and better at feeling it more and more of the time. And it gets easier for you to be able to just dip into that feeling. And what happens is that feeling expands and so it feels like it's overflowing outside of your body. So I think the description that most people will resonate with and recognize is goosebumps. You know, when you feel those goosebumps and you just feel a tingling sensation, you mentioned it before, when you know that it's inspiration, that's what you feel. That, I believe, is the connection to who we are. And when people say to me now, because I was such a goal setter before, you know, I had all these goals and I'd roll up and write a plan and I would follow the plan and, you know, I was a huge doer. I was a workaholic, actually. Um, now I'm like, if someone says, you know, what do you want? And I say alignment. Like my, my intention every day is to practice alignment, which means just being in alignment with my soul, which means feeling the way my soul feels. And then when we're, then we're in tune, and so that the words that come out of my mouth, the thoughts that I think, the actions I take, are guided by my soul rather than my fearful conditioned self. Um, and when we just start to even do that a little bit, you will experience moments of bliss. And I just get so much joy, you know, when somebody experiences that and, and shares that with me. And it's available to all of us, no matter where you're at with your life, no matter how challenging things are, this is possible. It's possible for every single one of us. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and when you were talking about emotions, you know, also in this particular section, you talk about choosing your emotions. Um, I don't think people often recognize that there's a choice, you know, when it comes to emotions. You know, like mm -hmm. you mentioned, you know, you know, once you experience bliss, I mean, you're going to want that more and more. So, I mean, if, yeah. you know, if, if you recognize that you have a choice to experience it, then it's like, oh, okay. But but I don't think people recognize that there's a choice in that. And, and you know, so, you know, what would you say for people who, you know, to say, I mean, you know, anger just happens or, or that, you know, um, you know, even um, 
I don't know, <laughs> any kind of emotion that, that's like a, a negative kind of emotion. It just yeah. happens. Well, the first thing I would say is I can con- totally understand where you're coming from because I um, had depression and so I just thought I couldn't help it. So it's like, this is my lot, you know. I wake up feeling low, so I have to just drag myself out of bed. And, and really, part of the reason that I was a workaholic is it was distraction. It was a form of distraction. And I guess it could have been worse. You know, it could have been drugs or, or something more detrimental. Although, you know, workaholic is can be just as detrimental in a lot of ways. Um, and so I completely understand how that person feels that, an emotion just happens, bang, out of the blue. I have no control over it. But what I teach in the book, and I have a little diagram to show how this works, is that in the split second that the circumstance occurs that looks like it's the reason for your anger, let's say, there is a thought about that circumstance. It happens so fast that you don't even realise. But it is your perspective of what's happening that causes your emotion and that's why you actually are creating the emotion because of your thought about the circumstance. So let's say, for example, um, you know, a pretty small one, but you've asked the kids to put the rubbish out a hundred times and it's like the last straw and you come home and the bin's overflowing and <laughs> you're mad. You know? And in that moment, you have had a thought and that is, you know, my kids are disrespectful because they don't do what I tell them to. And so that is your thought, and that thought causes you to be angry. Um, now, your soul never has that perspective. So your soul is always accepting, always accepting. So in that moment, your soul accepts the fact that the rubbish hasn't been put out. Now, it doesn't mean that you're not going to teach your children, you know, to be part of the team and all of those sorts of things. But just in that moment, there's acceptance. So the purpose of the negative emotion is to alert you to the fact you are out of alignment with your soul. You are thinking differently to your soul. And that's the blessing of the negative emotion, is to go, hey... This is not how your soul's thinking about this. Now, you may not be able to do anything about it in the moment. You're angry and it's too late. But you may be able to reflect on that later. You may be able to look back and go, you know what? I'm actually going to approach this differently. I'm going to just either take that chore off their list and just accept that, you know, for whatever reason it's not going to happen or whatever else you choose to do. But you can gradually change the way that you think about things and then your emotional response will change. Yeah. Okay, well that that's good that's good um awareness, you know, for for people to to think about, you know, when when those negative um, emotions arise. Um great. Um well so anyway, those are the six um steps that that you have and and you know, of course uh, when people get the book they'll be able to you know read about them in more detail and you also include exercises for people yes yes so it explains everything and and exactly how to apply it to your life great good so now you offer coaching you mentioned a couple times you know your clients how does your coaching approach in tool chests differ from other 
you know, development, personal development kinds of methods? So um, the way that my program works is that we, that all of the clients get lifetime access to the course content, which is the six steps. So it's the six steps that are included in the book, um, plus workbooks that go with each of the steps. And then I do um, Zoom calls every two weeks and answer everybody's questions. And what I observe is that all I need to do is get into alignment before I get onto the Q&A. And then the perfect questions are asked by individuals for everybody else who is on the call and who is going to listen to the recording afterwards. So this magic happens where people learn from the, from the group. So not just from my answer, but from the question just as much as the answer. So why I love coaching so much is because the questions are the secret source. It's the question that is inspired by the person who asked the question that inspires the answer. What I feel is that their soul is answering them through me. The words come out of my mouth, but it's the way they get their answer. So back when we were talking about the signs and how you know if it's a sign, it will feel so true for you. And so that's why people will say things like, to me, like, oh, you always have the answers. And I say, no, you have the answers in you. At the moment, while you're getting good at going direct, you're just getting them through me. That's what's happening. And so it's a wonderful experience for me because I am feeling that union with soul because our soul is connected to everybody else's soul. And mm -hmm. I just love it. But equally, there's this wonderful experience for everybody on the call because everybody is witnessing that. And I see it in the people who are doing the program. They get to the point where they think, I thought I was going to ask Tracy this and then the answer just came to me. And that's when they've become independent. And that is my goal, is to teach them to go direct and get the answers directly. Oh, that's great. Well, you know, um, it, I think that is so empowering, you know, for, you know, that's it, kind of like the, the old, you know, you teach a person to fish and they'll be able to provide for themselves, you know, That's you know right. for the rest of yeah. the life rather than just give yeah. them the fish. Yes, absolutely. I don't want the old me loved people needing me and it made me feel good. I don't want that. I want people to learn how to go directly to their own soul and get the answers. Um, and this method seems to work for them to be able to get it through me to start with and then in the end, they have practiced it so much that they're able to get on that vibration of their soul, get in alignment, and get the answers straight from the source. Yeah, absolutely. And and um, you know, I think I think it's wonderful that 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 is the approach that you get. And you know, from when you were talking about being in alignment and, and the various questions, is I believe that we're kind of all here, pretty much following the same plan of, you know, trying to, you know, reconnect, you know, to our, our source and, and, and live as happy um, and um, peaceful and blissful life as we can. Um, and that, but that we're all doing it in a different setting, you know. I mean, it's the I same goal, but all of the, you know, the actors and the setting of the play are all, all different. 
but, but yeah. it's still the same underlying theme. Absolutely. There are so many different ways that you can come back to soul, so many different ways. And there are people who are oblivious to it, um, and then there are people who are starting to become aware of it. And, you know, evolution means that it's speeding up, um, and that's why there's this increasing awareness that is global. So it's increasing in ourselves as individuals, but it's also increasing on a global scale. So, yeah, it's, it's good news. It's really good news. It is. It is very much. So what, what is it that you hope the readers will take away, from, just, just from reading um, the From People Pleaser to Soul Pleaser book? Oh, that it's okay to be yourself. It's okay for you to get to know yourself and be yourself and each day show up as, as him or her um, and that your true self is loving, accepting, blessing, grateful, joyful. That is your true self and to just bit by bit become more and more of that um, and, you know, just be unapologetic about this is what I love. I have no excuse for loving this. I don't have to explain it to anybody. <laughs> this is what I love. You know, um, there's a program that we have here in Australia called The Voice where these singers come on and sing. Um, you probably have it in America as well, and the chairs that the judges are turned around. And, and I oh, just yeah. love it. You know, I get tearful when someone comes on. You know, I mean, it's spirit coming through. When someone comes on with a gift of a voice that just brings goosebumps and you are moved to tears, you know, and I and my kids laugh at me. Oh, Mum's watching the voice. I just love it, you know, and I just um, I really accept who I am, and I'm not embarrassed to be myself. And I think if we could just all live and let live, let other people be themselves, and let us be ourselves, you know, there would be a lot more harmony, and everybody could just live a life that they want to live, rather than the one they think they should. I agree. And with The Voice, one of the things I love about that show is that, you know, the judges are turned around. So there is no preconceived, you know, notion of looking at the individual, what they look like, you know. Um, it's strictly the, the sound of their voice. And, mm-hmm. and how, I mean, and this, I'm, sometimes I'm just amazed at some of the voices <laughs> that come out of the people. I'm like, oh, my God. I know. Where did that go? And, and you realize you don't expect it. Yeah, because you're looking at no. them and you expect something else. And that's why it's perfect because the judges can only feel what they feel because of the energy in the person's voice. But it's a very, yeah, it's a perfect show in that way. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I also, when, whenever that happens, I kind of sit back and think, you know, why did I, what kind of expectation did I have? You know, why, why did I have a certain whatever kind of, you know, you yes. know, I can't put my finger on what it was. Is the idea that I had an expectation based on a look um, or, or kind of a, a demeanor or manner. But, um, yeah, so that that's. You know, that's, I think, one of the beauties of that particular show um, is that, um, it, you know, at least in the beginning, you know, it eliminates any preconceived ideas of the individual. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, this has really been a delight, Tracy. I really want to thank you for your time. Um, I've enjoyed learning about soul-pleasing versus people-pleasing and also kind of a, and a raised awareness about my people-pleasing 
behavior. <laughs> so I really want to thank you for that. You're welcome. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've loved talking to you too, Robert, and thank you for everything that you do for our world community. Thank, thank you very much. And, and you're on social media, so people can, you know, once they visit your website, they can connect. I, I've also can, I've already liked your Facebook page and, and Instagram, so I look forward to following your journey. Great. Thank you so much. Great. You, you're very welcome. Again, everyone, today my special guest from Australia has been Tracy Seacombe, and we have been talking about her book, From People Pleaser to Soul Pleaser, Six Steps to Being Who You Are Meant to Be. And again, you can find out more about Tracy, uh, her support services, book, blog, media, retreats, all of that kind of information can be found at her website, which is www.tracyseacombe.com. Com.au, and that's T-R-A-C-Y-S-E-C-O-M-B-E dot com dot A-U. So everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. And until we meet again. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Spotify, iHeartRadio, Tune in, Apple Podcasts, Blog Talk Radio, Amazon Music, and Audible. To follow our show on any of those platforms, visit ByteRadio.me and select the one you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ByteRadioMe. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch.